0: everybody. Welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church Podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. So last week we talked about the church and we talked about uh, about what it means to be God's church. And, and I use this word kingdom a lot, almost as assumed knowledge. And so this week, we're going to go through and we're going to talk a little bit about what is the kingdom of God? What do we mean when we talk about the kingdom? Because uh, as a vineyard church, that's right at the very heartbeat of who we are. Our understanding of God's kingdom is where everything else flows out of. So, and the way I want to tell you about the kingdom is I want to start by sharing a little bit of my story. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a very wonderful home. I had a, a beautiful upbringing. I'm forever grateful to my parents, but we, we never went to church. Uh, my parents aren't, I wouldn't call them atheists. I wouldn't call them agnostics. They just, religion just, it wasn't a part of our world. And that was fine um, and until um, one day when I was in year seven, I, I went to an Anglican school. And my science teacher, like in maybe week two or three of school, handed everyone in the class these little leaflets. And on the front of the leaflet, it said, if you died tonight, where would you go? Like, where would you go? There's a bit of nervous laughter coming from the room, which is wonderful. It's a, it is a big question, especially when you're 13 years old, you're in a brand new school. You don't know what's going on. Like, you know, you're worried about whether your hair looks okay. And suddenly you're being asked, you know, about heaven and hell. But it... And, and I, that wasn't like the moment for me that, that, you know, I, you know, fell on my knees and confessed that Jesus is Lord, but it kind of, it just opened this, this question in my mind of, oh, I've never really thought about what comes after. Like I'm 13 years old. Of course I hadn't, but I hadn't really thought that deeply about what, um, what, 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 what we was all about and whether there was a God and, Up to that point, the most that I knew about Christianity, and I'm not joking when I say this, the most I knew about Christianity is from watching The Simpsons. Because if you think about it, in popular culture, where else... Is there a family that goes to church every week? And so Reverend Lovejoy was my picture, or Ned Flanders was my picture of what it meant to be a Christian. And, and I wasn't really interested in that, to be fair. Um, so that was kind of that was my starting point for Christianity. Um, and then this flyer saying, you know, if you die tonight, where would you go? Now, um, fast forward a, a couple of months, and we went, They sent us on this Year Seven camp with all the all the kids um, who were new to school, just as like a get to know you. And we, we went on this walk together and we had a big bonfire and the, so, the same science teacher, she started telling us this story and we all thought it was going to be a, bo- a ghost story. And so everyone was like kind of leaning in ready for it. But it turned out to be this really beautiful story, um, really simple object lesson about the meaning of grace and the fact that it's not about what we've done, but it's about what Jesus has done. That means we could be forgiven. And she said, if you want, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to be, have a good relationship with Jesus. You don't need to do anything. You just need to say um, that he is God. You just need to acknowledge him as Lord of your life and you get to go to heaven when you die. And so with my fantastic, perfect 13-year-old logic, I thought, why would you not take that deal? Like you'd have to be a fool, right? Like who wouldn't take that deal? If all you have to do is say thumbs up to Jesus, then, you know, I'll do that and get on with living my life. It was great. And so I, at that point, that would be the night that I would say I became a Christian, that I decided that I was going to follow Jesus. Um, a few of my friends who I thought were kind of cool, they all followed Jesus as well, and I decided that it was, it was time. And so my understanding of, of the Christian message was basically this, that um, we have all fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. So if you... Um, if you remain in sin if you don't say that Jesus is lord then the result of that is death but while i was still a sinner christ died for me and now if i confess that jesus is lord i can be saved and i get to go to the good place instead of the bad place and that was that was my that was the crux of the christian message for me and i was i was in like you know like i said fire insurance why would you not take that um <laughs> But then fast forward now a couple more years and my friend Matt, who I wrote that song with, um, he's one of my closest friends ever. Um, he took me along to this little church that was meeting in a classroom. It was much smaller than this. There were only, there were I'd say, six or seven of us at this meeting. And, um, and I was used to, like Anglican school, we did hymns with the organ. So, like, I, I had a grid for that. But this guy um, stood up and he started playing this music and he had a guitar Uh, And he was playing this music and I'm sitting at the back and we're on couches, which was like really unusual for me for church. Um, And this music starts and I just started weeping uncontrollably. And it wasn't like all my emotional brokenness coming out. It was just like there was water falling out of my face and I had no idea why. And it was was honestly so embarrassing (laughs) because I'm 15 years old. There's my friend Matt and a bunch of people I don't know. And I'm crying. Now, there were heaps of tissues around, which, you know, struck me as odd, but it was very convenient. Um, And so I grabbed a tissue. I kind of cleaned up and I made sure that no one could know that i had been crying. But I I was like, what just happened? And anyway, so despite my experience, I decided to come back the next week because like, you know, something was something had happened and I kind of wanted to know more. And so I came back and same thing. Guy gets up start singing this music and the waterworks started again like like on cue i had no idea why but i was just crying uncontrollably and again tissues everywhere managed to clean up um but then this girl got up to preach now that was also pretty unusual for me i thought oh wow they let women preach here which you know it was great um then but she started talking about the holy spirit And no one had ever told me about the Holy Spirit. Like I knew about the Trinity, you know, like God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scripture. But I'd never heard about about the Holy Spirit. No one had ever told me. And she said, sometimes when God meets with us, when we experience God's presence, we might react physically, like we might um, shake or we might laugh or we might cry. And I was like, oh, I think I've met the Holy Spirit. And it was so wonderful because no one had told me what I was going to experience. Like no one had set that up for me and said, here's what's going to happen. It just, it was the most natural thing in the world. And it kept happening. Like it still happens sometimes. like when I'm leading worship and I'm just losing it, it's really wonderful. But it's just a sign that God was there. Now let's fast forward from that. And I would say that was the day that my faith stopped just being an idea in my head. It stopped just being fire insurance. And it became my reality. It became the reason I was alive um ten, 10 years later like let's yeah fast forward 10 years I have been pastoring a church community at um, at Northwood that little community had grown from a classroom to being 40 or 50 people gathering every Sunday it was really wonderful to be part of that we'd just been for some bizarre reason given given the reins to pastor that little community Jen and I um and but I had this this moment, where, and and nothing really triggered it. I was trying to work this out, but I had this moment where I realized that the experience of my faith, like walking out the Christian life together with the Holy Spirit, like, you know, my faith being my my lived reality, it didn't match up with my understanding of what Christianity was all about. Because my theology, if you will call it that, my understanding of God was still what what I had from when I was 13 years old. It was To be honest, it was just about how to go to heaven when you die. And I I started to, uh, I would call it like a mini crisis of faith. Like I was never going to disappear from the faith, but I just realized that I just didn't know what it was I actually believe right at the center. And my understanding was just not matching up with my experience. I had questions like, if that's the gospel, if it's just about going to heaven when I die, then why am I the most important person In the gospel? Shouldn't that be Jesus? Why didn't Jesus talk about this formula? Like why like Jesus doesn't actually mention the gospel as I told it earlier, that only Paul does that. Um, if it's all about where you go when you die, if it's all about heaven and hell, then why isn't that a more central topic in the Bible? If this world is a burning ship, then why should we care about the creation? Um why, why is there any incentive for me to improve my life after becoming a Christian isn't the only thing about telling other people about Jesus and selling them their fire insurance? Um, what is church other, If that's the gospel, then what is church other than a holding pen providing Christian entertainment? And if I had to explain the good news of Christianity to someone, what would I say? Because to be honest, for most people, if I tell them the gospel in terms of going to heaven or hell, then that's just bad news for most people, right? Um, I, rather than kind of freaking out, I just, I decided I did what I do and I started to research and a very dear friend of mine handed me a book called Simply Good News by a fellow named N.T. Wright, who I highly recommend anything um, by him. And I read that and that was the turning point And that was the moment where everything clicked and everything came together. And after two years, I, I did this two year journey from this point of realizing I didn't know what my faith was about to reading this book. And that was that was the moment it all came together. Now I've used this phrase "good news" a few times, so let's just let's just unpack that a little bit, and I'll I'll kind of help you understand what clicked for me when I read that book. If you have a Bible handy, um, open up to Luke chapter four. If you don't have a Bible handy, that's fine. You don't. We're not like we're not going to check your Bibles at the door here. Um, uh, you're very welcome just to listen along as I read from Luke four. Now we're going to start in uh, verse fourteen, um, and so just to give you some context, we're we're right at the beginning of Luke's version of the life of Jesus. So we've heard a bit about Jesus' early life, we've heard a little bit about um, uh, a, a little bit about uh, Jesus' baptism uh, with John. Jesus has been taken out into the desert and been tempted, and then it's kind of like this is the moment that Jesus' um, public ministry begins. So he's been kind of in the shadows up to this point, and this is the moment that he announces himself. So uh, read with me from verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes on the, in the synagogue looked at him intently then he began to speak to them the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day So we've just we've just read about Jesus going back to his hometown he stands up in the synagogue and he has the scroll of Isaiah which if you read back a little bit into your Old Testament that's where you find Isaiah. He takes it and he reads this little passage, this curious little passage. And he sits down and everyone's, it's like a mic drop moment, right? Like, he, he, you know, like everyone's staring at him, like, what's he going to do next? And he says, today, this scripture, this prophecy has been fulfilled. Like, that's, that's a big call, right? Like to take a, 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 at this point, hundreds and hundreds of year old, scroll and say, that's fulfilled today. That's a big call, isn't it? I want to focus for a moment on this phrase, good news, uh, which we find right at the start. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Um, if you read uh, Mark's account of Jesus' life, um, he he kind of paraphrases this moment like this. He says, um, Jesus, Jesus addresses people and says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Um, another way that you can you can this phrase good news, another way you can translate that is gospel. And Christians love to talk about the gospel. Like the gospel is kind of like the message that's right at the heart of what we believe. And gospel and this phrase good news are basically the same. I asked the question before, is is, is this gospel about going to heaven when you die, is that, is that really good news? Maybe. Um, is that really what we mean when Christians talk about good news? I want to give you a little bit of historical context that might help us understand this a bit better because if you were sitting in that room with Jesus at that moment, when he said that, those words, good news, that would have triggered quite a specific meaning for them that we don't have today. At this point in the, in the Israelite story, they were under Roman occupation. The Roman Empire had come in and taken over everything. And that's basically what the Romans did. They went in, they took over everything, and then they imposed their law on the land. And the Romans had this idea where when, when, when they would go to war with a, like a neighboring tribe or with, with a, a nation that was nearby, they, they'd go to war. And then when the Romans inevitably won, they would send someone out to all the neighboring towns uh, and, and all the places in that region who would come and announce the, and, and that person's job was to go into the cities and announce that the Romans had been victorious. And you know what they called that message, they called that the good news. And so someone would, someone, and obviously if you're a Roman, that's good news. If you're not a Roman, then that's probably not good news. But that's what it was called. And that word that is translated as good news here is exactly the same word that they used to talk about the good news of a kingdom being victorious. And so uh, when, when Jesus said that to these people, when he said good news, they would have thought immediately of that. They would have thought about kingdoms and battles and, and victory. And they would have heard, oh, something's happening or something's about to happen. There's a battle going on and it's about to be won. And so, when we, when, we, uh, when we hear this word good news now, suddenly it takes on a slightly different meaning, doesn't it? Ultimately, the good news, and, and the reason I read Mark's version of that here, good news is about kingdoms. Uh, and the good news of Jesus is that God's kingdom is coming. So, what is a kingdom? Well, we tend to think of kingdoms in terms of geographical space. You know, we might think about the United Kingdom and you could draw on a map the United Kingdom and you could be in the United Kingdom and then you could get on a boat and go over to Europe and you're no longer in the United Kingdom. Now, that's it's quite hard for us to get that out of our heads uh, because that's just what we associate with kingdoms today. Whereas if you were an ancient Israelite, then a kingdom would have a much more direct meaning for you. Because not only... Uh, was it about who was the king, The, 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 the kingdom that you were a part of would massively change your experience of daily life. You know, if you had a good and wise and loving king, then you would have a good life. You know, like you would be cared for, you would be looked after. If you had a terrible king, then life would not be good for you, particularly at this point in history. And so the kingdom is less about where you are physically and the kingdom is more about what it's like, like what is the state of reality for us as human beings right now? And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not t- talking about a place, but we're talking about what happens when God is in charge. So what does happen when God's in charge? Well, it turns out that Jesus has actually explained this really neatly here uh, when he reads from uh the scroll of Isaiah, and I actually want to go back. I wasn't going to do this, but I want to do this because I feel like you guys might be up for it. I want to read to you the like the the because Jesus only reads like a, sm- a couple of verses, but I want to read to you from Isaiah what Jesus was actually saying. Because you know, in this story, I, I don't reckon Jesus would have only just read those two verses, I reckon he would have read a little bit more than that. Here's me just inserting my ideas into the Bible. Um, but I just want to read you this because this is just amazing. This is, this is Jesus describing in the, in, in the, the gospel that we just read. This is how Jesus described the kingdom of God. He said, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's that good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your, in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about a new reality where the good and loving creator God is in charge again. And when God is our king, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. But that's not my reality a lot of the time. You know, if Jesus said, this has been fulfilled in your your hearing, then why? I mean, we see that sometimes like, In the church, Jen and I have had the privilege of experiencing moments where people receive the most profound healing that transforms their lives so that when they encounter the the presence of the living God, their lives are changed forever. Like We've witnessed that time and time again. We've also witnessed the exact opposite. We've witnessed people, we've walked with people through heartbreak, through brokenness, through death, through, through mourning, and all of the things that are the opposite of what we've just read about. So sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Well, I want to, so what, what's, the, what's like the time frame of this promise? Like how, how does that work? Well, it turns out that what Jesus is doing here is he's announcing that this kingdom plan, the, the, the plan for God to become king has begun. I want to read you uh, the promise that we get right at the end of the Bible. So if you have a Bible, turn to almost the last page. And I'm going to read from uh, Revelation 21. I want to read the moment that this promise is fulfilled. More towards the back. Revelation chapter 21. This is such a good passage. It's worth the wait, I promise. Um, Revelation 21 from verse 1 says Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." Then he said, "Write this down, for these words are, tr- are trustworthy and true." So here, at the end of the scripture, we have this is the ultimate fulfillment and the ultimate promise of what Jesus began in this passage we read earlier. It starts with Jesus announcing the kingdom of God coming. And it finishes with the kingdom of God coming in fullness, where God comes to dwell with his people. God's plan is not to take you away to heaven when you die, it's not about going somewhere else and being rescued from this world. God's plan is about bringing heaven here. His plan, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. You can use those phrases almost interchangeably. The core of the Christian message, the whole story of the Bible, what all of this book points to is God's plan to come back and be king over his people once again. That is the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus. And I love just this this little note. Something I want to say that's, that really impacted me is, um, in, in Revelation 21, um, there's this voice that says, Behold, I am making all things new. Now, there's, there's two different words. or actually There's probably a few different words you can have in, in the original language for new. But there's, we, when we think about new, if you have a new house, it's one that you, you tore down the old one, you put a new one in, and, and there it is. It's like no one's lived there before. This is a new house. The word new here isn't that kind of new. It's actually new with respect to form. It's like you've taken the house you have and you beautifully, carefully renovated it and it's new with respect to form. It's like taking a a vintage car and and doing it up and and making it beautiful again. And when God says he's making all things new, he's not burning the world with fire and, and creating a new one. He's actually taking all of the broken pieces that we have in this world uh, and he's, he's putting them back together in a new way to create the world as it was meant to be. Um, I had this beautiful moment yesterday with Davy. Hey, Davy, we, um, we were reading a, a story in the Bible and it kept, it kept talking about heaven. Good catching. We were talking about heaven. He said, dad, what's heaven? I was like, ooh, well, I'm preaching on this tomorrow. I have to have a good answer. So I thought about it for a moment. I thought, and I said to him, I said, Davy, heaven is what it's like when everything is the way it's meant to be. And that's how I would describe the Christian promise of heaven. Now, I do actually just want to make a brief uh, excursus at this point, which is a nerdy word for tangent. Um, I want to make a brief tangent because um, there's something fairly significant that I haven't mentioned at this point. Hey, Davy, just going to show everyone your tummy. I'm so high. Whoa, you almost were so low. <laughs> Let's hop down before you hurt yourself, Davey. Can you say hi to everyone on the podcast? Say hi. No, we're having a a moment. Um, So brief excursus. uh, Something fairly significant I haven't actually mentioned yet at this point is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, when When your understanding of the Christian message comes from the kingdom, does that downplay the importance of the cross? If it's not all about being saved by the death of Jesus on the cross from your sins, then does that mean the cross is somehow less important. And I would argue, no, it's actually the other way around. Because what what happened when Jesus went to the cross, when he died, he not only did he take my sin and and my brokenness and deal with that so I can have relationship with God, he took the sin of the whole world and the root brokenness that leads to all pain, all destruction, all desolation, he took that as well. He took all the dark powers that, that try and influence the world and try and break everything, and he... He broke them on the cross and took them to the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave. You know, the the gospel message does not end with the cross. It's the resurrection. He rose again and he was the first one to be part of this new creation. God is making all things new and he started with Jesus. He rose Jesus from the grave and through Jesus' resurrection, we can actually begin to experience the new life of heaven here. And our task as people of the cross and the resurrection is to go about bringing that future reality into our present. And that's, that's our role. That's the joy that we get to have. And it's because of the cross and the resurrection that we can have that. So the cross isn't less important when, when the kingdom is your gospel. The cross becomes more important. But you also remember that three days later came the resurrection. So I talked about uh, my story earlier. Um, I talked about how I went through that mini crisis of faith and my understanding of the Christian message kind of went out the window and I had to recover it. So where did I land? Well, I feel like I have um, sort of summed it up a little bit. Um, but what I realized is that everything I thought would, was true, you know, like Jesus rescuing us from our sins and and getting to have eternal life because of Him, none of that is is false, like... Like the gospel that I articulated earlier is not, is not wrong. None of those facts are untrue, but it's just not the whole story. And when you, when you take part of the story and make it the whole thing, it, it becomes untrue. Um, N.T. Wright in, in that book has this great saying, he says, when you take part of the truth, make it your whole truth, it becomes untruth. So what is the biggest story of the gospel? Well, there's a lot to say and there's a lot of there 's a lot of things i i haven't been able to touch on in this in this brief time that we 've had um, but here 's how I would sum up the good news of Jesus what is the good news? what is the Christian message at its core? Well, the good news is that God is becoming king that when Jesus came to earth he announced that God was making all things new and he showed people in his ministry what that was going to be like. When he died on the cross, he defeated the root of brokenness and rebellion that leads to all the pain and suffering in the world. And when he rose, he gave us the chance to participate uh, in that new life, in that new creation, and to begin to bring that new creation here on earth. But he, and he also left us with a promise that one day he would return and bring his kingdom in all of its fullness, that he would live with us um, and we would, we would live with our God face to face. But in the meanwhile, that reality is that new reality, that kingdom that that we read about at the end of Revelation, that new reality is breaking in. We get to partner with Jesus to help make that happen. That, my friends, sounds like good news. So what I would love to do now um, is to pray for us because um, that's pretty significant stuff. That's pretty big stuff. And I feel like from some of the nods over in this corner, like, um, some of that might not be new to you, but maybe some of what I've said is very different to what you've heard before. And so if you do have any questions, I really want to encourage you to, to talk to myself, talk to Jen. Uh, we, would love to, um, we would love to share more. Because one of the things that John Wimber, who, who kind of fathered the Vineyard Movement, one of the things he used to say is when you discover the kingdom, all the books need to be rewritten. Um, and, and we don't have time this morning to rewrite all the books. But if you do have questions, we really do want to encourage you to ask them. So I'm going to pray. And why don't we just invite, even now, why don't we just invite that future reality to just begin breaking in right here among us now? Um, Because that's what God loves to do. So uh, you can close your eyes if you want. You can hold out your hands if that's helpful. You can kneel. You can have a stretch, whatever. Um, But let's just, let's take a moment and let's invite God's Holy Spirit to come and bring um, to bring heaven here into this room right now. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Dave, you're awesome. You do have a tummy. I feel like on this podium, I just want him to start preaching. I just think that'd be awesome. <laughs> mm. um, Lord, we—I um, I guess we want to start this time of prayer by just uh, repenting and apologizing for all of the ways that we we make your your message out to be less than it truly is and we're sorry for the times that we've thought that you were less incredible than you really are so Lord we just ask you to right now we just want to ask for your forgiveness we want to repent and believe the good news like Jesus said um and holy holy spirit we um we saw your power through jesus when when we read the stories about Jesus and the way he healed people and he raised the dead and he uh, and he bound up the broken hearted and And all of the things, when we read through that Isaiah passage, that's what we saw in Jesus. And, Lord, we want to see that here in Toowoomba too. Um, And so come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now, and hope you have an excellent week.